You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvogel Report, on Instagram at Saints underscore Straight Up, and at Facebook at Straight Up Saints. Also, if you want to become a supporter, enter cool giveaways, get exclusive content, and also get every podcast episode a couple of hours before they drop on social media, you can join the Patreon page, which I'll leave the link to that in the description for this episode. Now, this one is going to be a little different. I had to moderate it a little bit. At first, it was going to be strictly just my interview with Junior Gallette, who is one of the more polarizing former Saints players that's been around. That's the best word to probably use for that one. Um, and I was going to do that, but then the Saints ended up signing Nigel Bradham, uh, a veteran linebacker who has played with the Eagles. He's played with the Bills. Um, interesting piece. And the Saints end up signing him today for a one-year deal. And by today, I mean Thursday. You're going to listen to this podcast on Friday morning. Um, but the Saints signed him to a one-year deal, and I found it extremely interesting. And the reason I find it interesting is this you know, signing takes place, you know, 24 hours after uh, Sean Payton comments on Kiko Alonso being possibly ready for camp, but said he might be limited in some practices at the start. So um, at the very worst, Bradham is going to be on a one-year deal where if he doesn't work out, the Saints don't have him next year and whatever. It's a camp body. At the very best, this might be a guy who competes for minutes uh, this season who might overtake a guy who might be seen as injury-prone. But he's an interesting piece. Uh, He's good in coverage, in my opinion. We've seen him have pass deflections, and we've also seen him get paid for being a very good linebacker. Now, the issue is after he got paid... It just didn't pan out in Philly. But to be fair, a lot of the Eagles' struggles had to do with the whole defense collapsing, not just Nigel Bradham. I mean, the secondary didn't work out. The defensive line was iffy outside of Fletcher Cox. So I think for Bradham, this is an interesting fit for him. It's a one-year deal. It's a chance for him to prove that he can still play in this league, and he's on an excellent defense that doesn't require for him to be the top linebacker. Remember, the Saints have one of the best, if not the best linebacker in the business in Demario Davis. So the amount of things that the Saints are going to be asking Bradham to do, in my opinion, it's not going to be a lot. And Nigel Bradham's numbers, especially during the 2017 and 2018 seasons, which are relatively um, you, you know, close to the 2020 season, which will be uh, in the fall, they're not that bad. They're pretty good, in my opinion, especially what he was able to do, not just as a tackler, but someone in coverage. Eight pass deflections during the 2017 season, which, oh, by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles went on to win. That goes along with 100 and, uh, I'm sorry, 88 combined tackles. He had 102 during the 2016 season, but 88 combined tackles, eight pass deflections, one sack, and a forced fumble during the 2017 season where he helped, um, I'm not going to say revolutionize the defense, uh, but for an Eagles defense that was a little unsure of what it would be with Jim Schwartz, a guy like uh, Nigel Bradham really helped show Eagles fans that the Schwartz defense is capable of winning a Super Bowl, which they went on to do. Um, again, I'm not sitting here to tell you guys start throwing a, a parade and celebrate and start shooting off streamers because the Saints signed Nigel Bradham. I'm telling you, though, this is a very interesting piece, and I am very, very intrigued to see how this goes down, uh, whether or not he's just a camp body, whether or not he replaces Kiko Alonso. The timing is interesting, and as always, with training camp, you never know. People might get hurt. People might surprise you. Uh, this year is going to be very different because it's going to be a shortened camp, but I- I'm very intrigued to see what happens there. Now, without further ado... Let's get into that interview with former Saints pass rusher and former uh, Washington linebacker Junior Gallette, who's had an interesting career, but he's been out of the league now for two years, and there's some you know, speculation as to why. Well, Junior's going to tell me why, but first off, Junior, how you doing, man? 
better. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. All right. So let me get right into it and ask you because uh, I'm someone who actually I keep up, you know, with your Twitter account weekly. You know, you always have something interesting to say, man. I appreciate that. So I want to ask you, it's been, I believe, two years now since you've played in the league or it's going to be a third season. Uh, There's a bunch of reasons that people might bring up, but there might be something underlying. So for you personally, why do you feel the NFL, in a sense, has basically been blackballing you? Well, I spoke out on pay discrimination in 2018. We all know what happens when we speak out in the NFL. In 2017, I performed Pro Football Focus actually ranking as the top 12 as far as my pressure. I was number three on the list with Aaron Donald, uh, Vaughn Miller, Daniel Jones. I was third on that list. I remember. Um, so I, 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 you know, the, the, the results that were coming out from, you know, reports, but basically, I had a really, you know, I, I played really well. I played as good as you can for the limited playing time that I was given. Literally. You know, I remember I saw a stat that said Miles Garrett and Gene Gillette were, you know, two out of three players in the NFL to, to have less than 300 pass rush snaps and still accumulate over 35 pressures. I remember that list. Another list was, they had me as a top 50 free agent. I was number 34 on that list. I remember Bashad Breland, my teammate, was number 35. Uh, Breland received like a three-year, $24 million deal uh, from Carolina, but had his Achilles was messed up, so, uh, you know, he felt the physical. But uh, Paul Richardson was like 48 on that list and received like a $40 million deal. The point I'm getting to you is that I'm the only person on the entire top 50 list that has not played it down. I've not, I'm the only one on the entire list that has not played since 2018. The only one. So the Redskins offered me a two-year deal. They thought I played well enough to warrant another deal. They offered me a two-year deal. They offered me after they offered Trent Murphy, however, my white teammate who went to Stanford, they offered him, you know what I'm saying, way more than I I got offered. I know that for a fact. I want to get into the details of the specifics of the numbers the Redskins offered him, but I know the fact it was way more than I was offered. But on top of that, Buffalo offered him a 1,000% more than I was offered he didn't even play that year. He was coming off a torn ACL. On top of my resume already for being better than his, I was healthy and I played every single game. I never showed up on an injury report. I also was speaking to several coaches from other teams, several head coaches from other teams, personnel department. I was speaking to all of them. So I knew exactly what my market was and who was what. I was, I was literally the one telling my agent, hey, reach out to so-and-so. This is, you know, this is where you're, you know, going to be upset. I know this here. He's like, oh, wow. And he's Sean McVay in L.A. He had me in a group chat with other coaches with, and Bill Johnson and Joe Barry telling me how excited they are for me to, you know, come out to L.A. and all the coaches are fired up. I even told him that he's going to be the youngest to ever win the Super Bowl, but it's going to happen much faster with me on the team. He replied. He said, yeah, no doubt about it. All the guys are fired up. As you already know, all the coaches, everyone's excited. Can't wait for you to get here. Before I even land, before I, I even land, well, well, when I land, when I landed, I got a text from Joe Barry asking me what jersey number do I want. So it was pretty much a lot. The day before I even, you know, I, I was on FaceTime with Sean McVay, made a case, congratulations, going to LA. He's excited on the phone with me. There's just so many things. And then for me to get to LA, and I was excited by L.A. because, as you know, the Redskins, they withdrew the two-year deal that they initially offered me. So I was excited about going to L.A. 
get there, pass my physical, which is a four to five hour process where they have to give you, you know, you take a, a bunch of, you know, MRIs and x-rays. The process is about four to five hours. If you take that long, that's that physical. Getting ready to put my cleats on and work out. And an entry-level staff member tells me, hey, Galette, I'm sorry to inform you that the workout has been canceled. It's been a change of plan. I didn't get an explanation from anyone. Only thing I read was from the press clipping was that Tom McVay said, Jimmy Galette did come here. He passed his physical. We didn't sign him for reasons. We will keep him inside. I never got any explanation from a coach. I didn't speak to anyone. Bill Johnson, matter of fact, called me and was like, hey, where you at? I'm trying to, trying to meet up. Let's go meet. You know, like, like uh, yeah, things, you know, I don't know what's going on right now. Never got an explanation. As I'm headed back to the hotel, I get a call from Seattle. Seattle coaches call me and say, hey, man, we're excited, man. You're in the West Coast. Why don't you come out here to see what we have to offer you before you sign with the Rams? You and Frank Clark, because Frank Clark was in Seattle at the time, said you and Frank Clark would be a terror in this in this, in this division, in the league they will fear you. I, I remember, I have all of these messages that I'm telling you, I have them screenshotted. Mm-hmm. And plenty more that I'm not, you know, putting out there, but they tell me, we're excited, just come out here and see what we have for you before you come out, before you sign to LA. See what we have to offer, right? So, they okay. They fly me out the very next morning from LA to Seattle. I take the same process, that's my physical, and guess what happens as I'm putting my cleats on to go work out? They tell me workout's canceled, it's been a change of plan. So, look, Junior, I got to ask you. On, you, you you've, uh, a lot of ahead, people I'm have sorry. said, no, no, my apologies there. A lot of people have said, well, you know, if it's an injury, I don't think it's an injury thing because I saw you bounce back from, by the way, a, a torn Achilles, which is one of the toughest injuries, and you looked good. You played those 16 yep. games. So I, I have a question yep. for you. Have you gotten any insight as to why that happens? Do you feel like maybe it's because of your open letter to Goodell? Like, what have you heard anything from anyone no, at least provide I, some context? You what, I'm telling you what transpired. I, I gave you every detail of yeah. what transpired. The Redskins withdrew my deal. Let's go to L.A convince Huskables to go to L.A. They pulled that. You know, something happened over there. As you know, that Sean McVay used to coach for who? The Redskins. That's mm-hmm. why he knows me so familiar. Um, uh, uh, Joe Barry used to coach for who? The Redskins. You know, they're very familiar. They know me very well as a person and a player. They respect me. That's why they even had me in a group chat and were saying, we're excited. Can't wait for the game. We're going to work this out. So, uh, on top of, oh, the Raiders, offered me veterans minimum after the Redskins withdrew my deal. As you know, the Raiders had coached John Gruden. His brothers were Jay Gruden. I said, hey, John, how's it going? Junior, we're so excited, man. You're going to love being here in Oakland. We're going to turn this thing around. Um, you're, you're one of the best I've seen. You and, and Khalil Mack and Sully. And then they offered me veterans minimum. I'm like, John, you offered me less than what your brother offered me. We, me and your brother just basically had a risk because of disrespectful offer. Then they withdrew it after I spoke out because I thought a difference in pay from my offer and Trent Murphy was coming off a two-point ACL. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, throughout the process, I go through L.A. to stop it, then I go to Seattle, and the same thing, same exact thing happened. It just, you know, uh, I fought these last two years, but the forces can finally keep me out which is too much, and I've had enough. So it's time for me to seek relief. Uh, and, you know, I, I've been fighting every year since. You know, I've been, I've been in the best shape of my life, and I'm still ready for an opportunity right now. And right now, to, for a veteran pass rusher, a, you know what I'm saying? 
the stock for veteran pass rushers is an all-time high right now because there's no off-season, there's no pre-season. So, like, you need a vet to come in and teach the rookie so many things and help out. You know, it's going to help your locker room so much more because the rookies and the younger guys that have been played doesn't have the experience. So the stock for me right now should be at a, a premium high, but nothing. Still, you know, I go speaking to coaches and it just gives cold out of nowhere. So I got to ask you, because I agree with you with pass rushers at a premium. I mean, look, with COVID-19, you could have players going down. You need all the depth you can get. For you, Junior, is it a certain situation that would need to happen for you to play? Or you're basically at this point, you're going to call their bluff and be like, I will play for whoever, I'll play for whatever. Just actually give me the chance which they haven't been doing. I've literally literally been saying I will play for veterans minimum. Mm -hmm. After, you know, it was around uh, the beginning of May. Because Raiders often veterans minimum my agent was like hell no we're not taking that so then i you know i just walked away and uh it was like at least if anything if we don't take it now in april which is by april 6th i think when they offered me i said hey they're not even at ota yet maybe i can accept this a few weeks later in may you understand yep. uh, and so <laughs> we're, we're still you can know what i'm saying like what's the difference you hear what i'm saying here what is the difference that's by now in april or in May. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? So the thing for you, I Junior, might be a pro to, to wait a little bit longer, too. And, and let's say in August, you exactly. end up signing with the team. Yeah. Exactly. Because guys can go down, potential injuries, you know, certain guys that they paid, you know, and that happened. Guys went down, you know, where they needed, all these teams needed a pass rush in 2018 and 19. Their main pass rush either went down or they had some guys in depth. They didn't have enough depth. Several teams, these things. The Redskins specifically, the, in 2018, the Redskins fans, well, I'm sorry, I keep saying the Redskins, the team formerly known as the Redskins, the Washington football team fans, they started a petition for me to come back and, and to, to sign me back. I remember that. I remember that because in, at the end of 2018 season, Preston Smith had four and a half times. And after that, he received a four-year, 54-month extension from uh, the package. So, Junior, I want to ask you. Oh, I- four and a half times. The, the Washington fans, like you said, they made a petition for you. I, I And I actually know personally a lot of Washington fans who have said, again, if they could take you right now, they'd love to have you. Um, there's a lot of issues going on with that team upstairs with the owner. Have you ever had issues with Dan Snyder that you feel maybe he might have said things to other teams that are false? Is there anything there of you course. think? Of course. Of course. I feel like Bruce Allen has been in as well. And I feel like, uh, of course, you know, for me to say that I'm not, I refuse to play for this, you know, type of deal it's unfair and you know for me come out and they can speak out and point out towards you know pay discrimination between what Trent Murphy was a guy a white guy that comes off a point ACL receives a thousand percent more guaranteed money than I did you look the history of the league it's been happening look at Cam Newton who just had to is a former league MVP who just had to accept veteran minimum when has that happened a former league MVP had to accept veterans minimum. just tell me when has that happened no, exactly. Right? It's it's this ridiculous. You got Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton hasn't had a good year since how long? I don't know. He received one. You know what I'm saying? Look at Jameis Winston. Yeah, I understand the turnover thing, but he had 30 touchdowns. 5,000, you know what I'm saying? 30 plus touchdowns, 5,000 yards. He, if he was, you know, white, they would have been like, man, there's plenty of things to work with, right? He, he, he just needs to clean up his little mistakes, like they were saying about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning he needed a fine season. And the coach said he had a 10% chance to ever play again. Denver rewarded him with $56 million in guarantee. 
think that was around 2010. Look at the story with Drew Brees. His arm was torn. His rotator was cup. His rotator cup was torn completely all the way around. They said he would never throw again. That, this was in 2006 when San Diego let him go and the Saints basically picked him up. 2006, he got a six-year, sixty-mile deal when he couldn't even throw yet. Cam looks like he's in phenomenal shape and had the place of veterans. You know, I'm the former league MVP just a few years ago. You don't see nothing, nothing there. And this happens all throughout the league. It doesn't necessarily mean that I, you, you have to get blackballed. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of pay discrimination going on throughout the whole entire league. So, you know, it, that, that's just how a lot of – and a lot of players feel like I do. Like, what the hell? Why did this guy get – what's going on? So I, I want to ask you for a long time. Has has Colin Kaepernick for you and 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 what he did obviously it, it changed the league in my opinion not from the way the league handles itself but the way the athletes are now handling itself. Um, do do you guys have you spoken to him about this and what's going on? No, I didn't. Speak to Kaepernick, I spoke to his lawyers, however, and was basically you know uh, communicating with them throughout the process. Um, I was you know it was down between the. the uh, that law firm and the one I have right now from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I didn't get to see the cap, but I was very, I was definitely inspired, you know, when he first started kneeling, because I remember specifically when I was on the Redskins. And, I mean, the Washington the team, formerly known as the Redskins, the Washington Football Team, in 2017, we were playing a Monday Night Football game against the Raiders, and everyone decided to basically lock arms and start taking knees. And I said, you know what? No, I feel like taking knees. And I said it out loud, but I was locked arms. I was, you know, me and the coach, we were locked arms together. And he looked at me and said, don't you dare. And I didn't. One of the weakest moments of my life. And look back at the moment right now with so much regret. But now I feel all the power, you understand? And I, I just feel so much prideful. Um, um, I take pride in just basically having a voice and standing up for myself and Kaepernick definitely inspired that. And I hope I do the same for others. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned that Washington moment. I have a question about, cause I was listening to an interview he did a couple of weeks ago. Um, and you mentioned how Dan Snyder, the way he approaches some things, it almost seems repressive. Is that one of those moments where you feel like that was a repressive moment or is there other things behind the scenes that, you know, Dan Snyder just doesn't play well to the athletes? Yeah, no, that's one word. I definitely used to dis- describe it because, you got to think about how many years he got to change that offensive name to Native Americans, and he didn't budge. Matter of fact, he even said that he would never change it. You can put it in caps. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He, he, he quoted that. Never going to happen. And you literally just had to eat those words, you know, because you were being so stubborn and arrogant. So just imagine how that owner would feel when the parent says, hey, this is a slave bill. What, what the hell is this? I come Trent Murphy he speaks out and voices his opinion. They withdraw the deal. Matter of fact, he's not the only he's not the only owner that you know has been exposed for being uh, uh you know repressive. Like I just said, you got the Texas owner who said you can't have the prisoners running, you can't have the inmates running the the prison. He called this inmates. Like, are you serious? ridiculous man it, and, and it's been going on in the league throughout so long is because all the players know that yeah it's 70 black but the upper management and coaching 
You know, so it's, it's 90, 90 something percent. It's very few coaches, very few in upper management making decisions. And to, to, to let them know who's getting paid. So that's where the difference comes from. And then you also have the issue that if it's 70% black and blacks are targeted about seven times more, there's seven times more likely to have police interference in life. There's a slight indifference there. You see what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. When it comes to the black players getting in trouble, they're seven times more likely to get into police interference. But they're also seven times more likely to get a suspension from the league. It's the issue I've been talking about in our issues in the letter to Goodell. This was about seven weeks ago. I have yet to get a response from them. So, Junior, I, I want <laughs> to ask you, you mentioned that Goodell letter. There, you're telling me, and I and I believe you, by the way, with everything you've said, you're telling me that, that this NFL league that makes billions of dollars just can't simply respond to one of its players talking about a very serious subject. Like, you just can't even get back one thing from the guy. Like, I, I find that just... Uh, Dude, you got... It's, look, it's look crazy at this. Listen, for them. You got all this... Listen, I, I, don't, I hate bringing players down. Mm-hmm. Like, a guy like Alden Smith, I love him. He's a terrific player. He's awesome. He's a beast. But he's not playing in four years. And you look at his transgressions throughout his career, and look at mine. You understand? I came back and played in 2017. Performed well. This man hasn't played in four years and got opportunities before I did. Look, I, I, and, I, and I believe you, trust me. Up. At some level, though, when do when do you think the rest of the league just says, hey, you know what, not enough of this football league because at the end of the day, you guys need to have that platform and make your money, but when do we just say, hey, Goodell's got to figure something out because he can't continue to hide behind issues like this? Well, we're doing it right now. And the funny thing is, Goodell did come out and say, hey, he's open to listening to the black players. They're, they're, they're you know... Their position, their stance on basically uh, inequality throughout the league and in their life, and I have yet to get a response. It's like if he doesn't even know me, if he even knows who Junior Gillette is. I wish you were standing right in front of me because I'd ask him if he knows how his stance on inequality and equity directly affected my life. Then why don't I have a job? You know, you brought up the equity thing, and, and I agree 1,000%. Um, there's another thing here that I wanted to touch upon that actually has to do with what's going on in this country right now, um, and a lot of it has to do with the way police treat people. And you actually had an experience of yourself back, I believe, was it 2017 um, when it happened? Uh, yeah, it, was you, before, it was before the 20, before the 2017 season yeah. I, I played. And, uh, can, can you take me through that and just explain to people, for those that aren't getting it, and by the way, if they're not getting it in 2020, that's their problem and they're just being ignorant about it, but can yeah. you explain to me that situation and why it's important for people like yourself to use your platform? No doubt, no, it's okay. Yeah. Well, in 2017, I was at a Black Biloxi Beach uh, weekend. It's, it's an event they have in Mississippi every year, and I decided to go to get their concert, and a fight breaks out. I run away from the fight knowing that I'm basically a target and, you know, can't be around anything like that because of me being so terrified of what the NFL would do had they, you know, find out that I was even around near this situation. And guess what happens? The fight breaks out. The police chase, chase me and chase me. And as he's pinning me down and I'm telling him, like, why did you chase Why Why did you, you know, uh, uh, chase me? I can't, I can't breathe. I said that in the video. He's like, well, you're talking, aren't you? Basically, mocked me. And at that moment, the very, you know, short few seconds, I feared for my life because I, you know, got hit by, I got tased. 
felt like I got shot. I was in Mississippi. Who knows? Thank God that it was a take and I didn't shot my dad. So knowing that that situation could have went left so fast, my life was literally in this man's hands. I gravitated so well to what's been going on as of recent, you know, the police brutality. and Because as moving forward, the police officer said, hey, I saw you fighting. I'm like, what? There's no way he saw me fighting anyone, right? Because later on, I was charged with a failure to comply, not an aggravated assault. And those charges, the failure to comply charges were even dropped. So I didn't get any type of discipline. Right? Then receiving discipline, like, well, he's just at the wrong place at the wrong time. But I was guilty in the court of public opinion because it was embarrassing and everyone, you know, kept replaying the video and it was like, wow, this is not a highlight that I'm proud of. I, I could have been killed. And I experienced that. And it's something we've been seeing for far too long now. Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor, you know, killers are still out there. It's just ridiculous. People are still dying. So this right now, they're still dying from police brutality. So how do you think the NFL, do you, how do you think they respond to this? Not the NFL, the league itself, because I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the athletes using their platform because they are able to touch people better than, you know, Roger Goodell can, in my opinion. How do you think those players, do you think this is a year where we see everyone takes a knee during the anthem and maybe has social justice messages on the helmets? What do you think the NFL can do, or at least the athletes in the NFL can do to help spread that awareness? Well, I just, honestly, I just want the world to know that the NFL is not exempt to racism. Just from my experience alone, mm-hmm. not my, you know, first-hand experience with the NFL. Um, but, you know, we, we got to make progress. And it, it has to start with a conversation. If my conversation is not even being heard, I invited Goodell to come out, the NFL as well, to come out, NFLPA as well, to come out and meet with me in New Orleans. And they refused. They said, COVID-19, we can't. But the players to play in the middle of this is ridiculous. So... I'm hopeful that, you know, things will be different because, as I said before, Goodell did say that, you know, he's encouraging players, black players, to speak up and is ready to listen, but... So I want to ask you something on the lighter side here, uh, and and I agree, dude. I mean, Goodell, with the way he handles things, like he could say something, but now you got to put it into action, and the fact that he hasn't answered you, I'm still a little weary that he'll actually put other things into action. So I want to ask you something personally, um, because like I told you before, I do, I, I usually check out your Twitter account frequently. You were talking about Washington's name and what it might be. And obviously we're all laughing at the fact that right now it's a generic Washington football team. Uh, but you said something about maybe Red Wolves being the team name. Is that just you, you know, throwing a name out there for people to, to get attracted? No, to? Is that's that something not, you think is going to happen? That, that was, no, that was not me throwing a name out there. That was like the name that they had, you know, for me speaking to the people in the personnel department, mm-hmm. that's the name that they had. As like the highest bidder to win, more than likely, and then they went with Washington temporarily. You know, watching a football team. So, do you um, think there's a chance and, we see Red Wolves know, though? I mean, if to be honest, if they go six, if they were if there's a season this year and they go sixteen and zero, would you change that team name? So it all depends on you know if they go sixteen and zero, zero and sixteen. It all depends on the success of the Washington football team. 
yeah, I don't even know how to. <laughs> hey, look, that, that's fair. It depends on their success. I, I don't know. Right. If, I don't know if they're superstitious or not. Before I let you go, Junior, I want to ask you a couple more questions, real quick. I, I've been following the Saints for about over a decade now, and I enjoyed watching you. Obviously, you had back-to-back double-digit sack seasons at one point with Cam Jordan. You guys were playing fantastic. Looking back at your time with the Saints, um, what was it overall? I know obviously it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but what was your? Was there things you liked, things you didn't like about the organization? How was your time with the Saints? Well, I started out in this league as an undrafted rookie, you know, at the New Orleans Saints, as an undrafted rookie, going to the team who basically just won the Super Bowl. So I had a lot of fond memories with the organization. And one of my proudest moments is when I was elected team captain by my teammates with the Saints and also rewarded for my performance as a team sack leader with a $41.5 million deal. You know, the, the New Orleans is just a one-of-a-kind place in with some of the best people in the world. And the New Orleans Saints is a classy organization. I made a lot of friends down there. You know, one guy in particular basically was, you know, Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan taught me so much and was very supportive throughout my entire career. You know, it's, it's very it's crazy to me that he's no longer coaching in the league and his career ended with Washington just like my career. <laughs> and he knows he's getting blackballed. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, Drew Brees, the quarterback, you know, he's a class act for whom I have a lot of respect for, but both as a player and a man. But, you know, when you talk about the issue of Black Lives Matter, I got to call a spade a spade. You know, he got that wrong. Mm-hmm. No one is saying that all lives don't matter. The movement is about the attention that is needed on a black lives that are so affected, basically, by police brutality in America. And that's where the changes need, and that's what the movement is about. So I'm glad you brought up Drew real quick, um, and I agree. I thought he, he was wrong when he first made the comments. They, they came off ignorant, tone deaf. He seems like the type of guy, though, if he does make a mistake, he might like he will try very hard to correct that issue. Do you think Drew can correct his, his wrong ways and help become an ally for the Black Lives Matter community? I, I think he's doing it right now. Mm-hmm. I wish he'd become, become an advocate for me because he knows me as a player. I played against New Orleans and, you know, gave Teron Armstrong a fit in 2017. A fit. No yeah. one made Teron Armstead look like that since I played. No one. Go watch that tape. The Redskins versus team. When I went back down to play against my former team, I had, a, I had you know, only about 22 snaps, but I made it count. You know, so they know me very well. Drew knows I still have all the dudes. It'd be great for him to, you know, talk to me like, hey, we need to have a conversation here. This is crazy. How about this? Even better. I saw that Michael Thomas tweeted that they want the Davion Clowney. The Davion Clowney is asking for 15 plus million a year. He just had three sacks this year and about 700 snaps. I had three sacks in 2017 and about, I don't know, half that, half those snaps. And also, also, a few sacks got called back, you know? So, I mean, for, for penalties, you know, it's not something I could control. And that was in limited playing time. So they easily had five sacks during the limited playing time. The same amount that Trent Murphy had this year in a full, as a full starter role. He had four sacks the year before. So it's not like he put up tremendous numbers since he received 1,000% more than he after coming off a tournament ACL. It's like I was completely right. I know this player is not as good as I am, and I know that my resume stands for itself. And to this day that I haven't played in two years, 
I still have 10 more sacks than him, and I have about 400 less snaps. I have 400 less snaps than Trent Murphy has in his career, and I still have 10 career more sacks than he has. Uh, I haven't played in the last two years. You you stole the words out of my mouth before, by the way, I, which is hilarious. I literally was going to go to you. You know, Saints fans have been texting me, hey, Chris, do you think we should get Clowney? Should we get Clowney? And then you bring up that that tweet from Michael Thomas, and I saw you put up a, uh, the stat a couple of – I think you've had it up for a while now where actually you and Clowney are very comparable. I think you actually ranked over him um, for that certain pressure statistic. So hypothetically here, though, if and it would be fun to see you guys have a reunion. Hypothetically, Saints come calling. Um, how quick are you saying yes to that, that, that phone call? My attorney's in New Orleans. I love New Orleans. I got family still down there. I have a lot of friends in New Orleans. And, you know, to be able to make that piece would be would mean everything to me in my life. And it would be, I feel like a bridge, you know, it would be a huge, huge for the entire league for us to close that gap. Because we all know how talented a player I am, and we all know that I'm focused and I'm hungry. And I'm a great leader, which is why I was elected team captain. Um, so when you guys got when you, you got guys like Trent Williams, Teron Armstead, these guys that are one of the best in the league, two of the best in the league, they tell me I'm one of the best. It's not like I'm just reading press clippings. They tell me. I'm grateful for it. It's just a positive step towards that then go here. But, you know, I, I, I want to become – I want to I want to get back in the NFL. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've been preparing, training. I can help any team right now. You understand? Any team I can help out immediately is a veteran who knows the ropes. You understand? Who has 80 career games played. But, hey, we'll see, man. Absolutely. Uh, Junior, last question I want to ask before I let you go. Um, regardless if you do get that second chance or not, and obviously I know a lot of people, including myself, are hoping you do get that second chance. What do you want football fans to remember you, whether it's as someone off the field, on the field, what do you want them to remember you as? I want them to know, I want them to remember me as an honest man, a hard worker who never gave up and who always overcame adversity, the underdog, um, a player who just loved, you know, the game on and off the field. Um, I want to be remembered for a voice that changed and a voice that stood up to make a difference for what is right. Absolutely, Junior. I, I thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview, man. Uh, I wish you all the best in your endeavor and hopefully getting back to the league. And who knows, maybe hopefully a couple of players start advocating for you so Roger Goodell can finally answer the phone call that you, you've been waiting to get a response as. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I wish you all the best. All right. Thank you so much. Once again, that was Junior Gallette, former Saints and Washington outside linebacker, pass rusher, whatever you want to label him as. And his story is interesting. And I think it just goes to show that there is so much uncertainty in the NFL. When you get your chance to play, you got to make the most of it because you don't know um, if you're ever going to get another shot. And it's not just whether it's off injuries, off talent, whatever it is. There's so much stuff that goes on beyond the scenes. And look, there might be a chance that what Junior's saying is not accurate. And there's a couple of tweaks here and there. And he's been given false information. I don't know what I do find it is fascinating. And I hope you guys found it fascinating as well. Now, next week, I'm going to have another interview with 
with uh, Jed Collins, former Saints linebacker. He was on that 2011 team. We're going to talk about that roster, um, whether or not he thinks they would have won the Super Bowl if they just got through that final drive against the 49ers. We're going to talk about the beauty of the Saints offense, why the fullback is important. Uh, and we're also going to talk what he's been doing off the field. After he finished career, he went to earn, uh, he turned himself into a financial advisor. And for me, I think it's always fascinating to see what these former players do once they're off the gridiron. Some of them take time to find their next role. Jed went straight into it. Um, and in a year where the cap might be different, where players might not make much as much money, where some have opted out um, and aren't getting their full salaries, I think he's the perfect opinion to have on this show to talk about it. So we'll have Jed Collins on there, and hopefully we'll get some more guests down the road. Probably going to have opposing beat reporters on for most of the season, um, like I did last year. So we'll see what happens there. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to share it on social media. Uh, get it out there. Start talking about it. Um, and if you guys really enjoyed what Junior had to say, I'll try and get more former Saints players on that even if they weren't beloved, they were intriguing, they had interesting stories. Uh, I've done that so far with Junior, and I've done that with Delvin Bro, um, and I've really enjoyed talking to both them, and I've enjoyed talking to current players as well, of course. But thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy your Friday, enjoy your upcoming weekend, uh, and stay tuned for another episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast that will be out either earlier or mid next week. Um, and stay tuned for more training camp news, because I'll always put that on Twitter for you folks. So enjoy, Houdad, and I'll talk to you guys next week.